Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and with me tonight is Mr. Joe. How you doing, Joe? Ah, hanging in there, man. It's been an interesting, uh, it was a great week in fantasy, not so great on the diamond for the Cubs, but, uh, you know, glass case of emotion as always. <laughs> it happens, man. It happens. Um, Jason, for those who are wondering, is is on his last week. He'll be off for a while. This is his vacation week, although he's doing a staycation. So, you know, the fact that he decided not to hop on tonight, eh, we'll, we'll let it go this time. <laughs> yeah, Jason was not fired. We didn't kick him off the island. He's just got a lot going on. So, And, and you would think of all the weeks he would have uh, gotten back on early. This would have been the week because the Phillies had a damn good week last week, uh, which they were, frankly, due to have a damn good week because it's been a while for them. <laughs> and uh, Ron was unfortunately sick, so he wasn't able to step in. So y'all are stuck with us, too, for one more week, and then we'll be back to normal next week. All righty. So, Joe, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm, I'm drinking a uh, – a, uh... Still, if you will, my brother had some Everclear from his buddy from New Jersey um, and added cherries and all sorts of stuff to it. So I'm drinking a nice, nice cherry uh, strong shine here. So, All right, folks, when Joe starts going off the rails later, you now know why. <laughs> Jesus. All right. And you know what? It feels like summer out. We just had nasty storms rip through. through. It's the first time we've had rain in 40 freaking days, which is insane driest spring we've had on record so i went with my usual opening of the summer beer we usually drink it during vacation but we went down a week early this year so it wasn't available yet from trogues nimble giant not always an ipa fan but this is one i actually do like actually i think it's a double yeah it's a double ipa so it's a once a year release always uh i don't know something about that always seems to kick off summer pretty well that and uh summer shandy from line and kugel <laughs> All right, so let's roll into it tonight. We're going to open up with some milestones. First of all, clutch man. Andrew McCutcheon got his 2000th hit on Sunday. He said, quote, when I first came up, you're oblivious and naive. In my mind, I felt like I could get 3,000 hits if I played long enough at a high level and did well and was not hurt. All things considered, I felt like I could get, I could get 3,000 hits. That was the first thing as far as accolades. That was like, Nah, never mind. I'm probably not going to get that. It took me a handful of years to be really honest with myself to where it was like, dude, that ain't going to happen unless I play into my 40s. So, yeah, I thought I thought I was going to hit 2,000 because I was going to hit 3,000. You're young. You're naive. You're maybe a little overconfident in yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. For, first of all, I love that quote. <laughs> talk, talk about brutal honesty with yourself. I That's great. So his 2000th hit came on a single in the first inning against Carlos Carrasco of the Mets. He's the 291st player to join the 2000 hit club in baseball history and the fifth active player joining Miggy, Nelson Cruz, Joey Votto, and Elvis Andrews. I got to be honest with you, I completely forgot Elvis Andrews was in the 2000 hit club. Um, so good for him. Um, ironically, his first hit of his major league career also came against the Mets. That was June 4th, 2009. Batting lead off both times, and both times it was at PNC Park. So the Mets better hope he's not playing well into his 40s uh, against them at home leading off because he might get 3,000 still. I would not put – it's not likely, but I wouldn't put it past Kutch to gut it out. Um, and, you know, Joe, you've brought this up multiple times. Jason's brought this up multiple times. I want to actually give props to one of the home plate umpires, Dan Marcel. He didn't rush the following hitter to the plate. He let 
McCutcheon fully enjoyed the moment. And as you like to put it, Joe, he actually read the room. I mean, that was uh, honestly, Joe, on a Sunday where the Braves were not able to complete the sweep. It was nice to have uh, something I was really excited to see. I, You know, Kutch has been a freaking thorn in my behind for so many years playing with both the Phillies and the Pirates, but it's hard not to like him. He's just he's a good dude. He's down to earth. He's a great player. Um, I, I'm really happy to see him hit the 2000 hit club. Yeah, it's exciting to see one of the good guys get, uh, you know, a a milestone number like this. And, and like you said, he's, he's a thorn in your side because you had to play against them so much, but um, you know, a class act off the field and he's, he just plays the game with a lot of energy and a lot of passion. And you love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just think it's, you know, it's just such a baseball thing to not only get your first and your 2000th hit with the same club, even if you weren't with the same club the whole time, but to do it against the same team each time and in the same ballpark in the same spot in the batting, like that only happens in baseball. You know, this is what we love about baseball. And as they say, how can you not be romantic about baseball, man? Exactly. It's, it's special. That's for sure. Um, we've been kind of glossing over some milestones this year, and that is completely my fault for not paying enough attention to them as they've occurred. But uh, there's a couple others I want to mention. Uh, Craig Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen both got their 400th saves. Now, these were mentioned because, of course, they had to happen against freaking Atlanta. Uh, Kimbrell, I didn't really care. Um, you know, he was a brave for a long time. Jansen was only brave for a year. That sucked. Um, Jordan Alvarez pretty early in the year hit his 100th career home run. Now, great. He came in at 98, so we knew it wasn't going to take very long. And then, uh, Clayton Kershaw earlier this year, and I'm pretty sure I brought this one up. He, uh, picked up his 200th career win. So, uh, you know, we don't have the huge set of milestones like we had last year with Pujols chasing for 700, you know, um, and Maggie got to 500 and, you know, so we don't have a ton of huge milestones, but, uh, you know, Joe, we have a couple coming up, and actually Mickey's trying to chase two more of the all-times. Uh, you want to mention those? Yeah, the two milestones Mickey's going after, uh, he's going after Cal Ripken to get the 16th all-time um, for that. that's hits, I imagine. Yeah, it's hits. Sorry, I forgot to write that down. 3,110 hits currently, um, and he's currently 23rd all-time. He'll need 74 to uh, catch Ripken there. And he's six RBIs away from passing Mel Ott at 13th all-time. Uh, he'll need 49 after that to tie Willie Mays at 12th. You know, coming into the year, I thought he was going to be able to catch Willie. The Tigers are so bad and score so few runs. I, I, I think just the team he's on, he's not going to get the opportunity. I think he's well. I, I think he's got a pretty good shot at catching Ripken. I know we're not quite halfway through, but I think he's still he's still good enough. He should be able to get close to seventy four hits. I think the rest of the way to catch Ripken or at least tie him. Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens there. I do agree with you. It's going to be hard for him to generate the RBI numbers based on the team that's there, but that the whole division is so bad. It's, it's, it's pretty ugly. So, I mean, every once in a while you might get lucky and he might get close enough. I mean, I don't think any of us thought Pujols was getting to 700 at this point last year. So no, definitely not. You know, you saying that maybe he's going to go in a second half tear like Pujols did last year and just start raking him in. And I'd love to see it. Honestly, uh, Miggy has got Miggy has got to be one of my all-time favorite guys I've seen play that haven't played for Atlanta. You know we are so lucky 
to watch Miggy and Pujols growing up, um, you know, just to see them walk out like this. And uh, yeah, I, I hope he gets it. Yep. As you say, baseball is such a romantic sport. <laughs> um, some others coming up. Uh, Freddie, Freddie and uh, Freddie Freeman and Jose Altuve are both chasing the 2000 hit club. Freddie is going to get it probably within the next two weeks. He only needs 10 hits. Jose Altuve needs 49 hits. Um, let's see, JD Martinez, he's close to 300, two homers away. A um, couple more for Kutch. What do you have for uh, Kutch, Joe? Yeah, he's five away from joining the 300 home run club, um, and he needs one more double to join the 400 double club. So um, I would expect both of those to happen within the next month or two. Obviously, yeah, the double will happen sooner, but yeah. uh, I think he could easily hit that home run mark uh, sometime soon. Yeah, probably before the All-Star break, I think. I would think. Oh, Joe, what about your buddy Rizzo? <laughs> yeah, and you know, it, Riz only needs six homers to join a, the uh, 300 home run club. Holy cow! Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I expect him to hit that pretty easily. Obviously, he's a Yankee, he's playing in the short porches of Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, as I've beleaguered many times before, he's the one cub I wish they didn't get, get rid of. Um, and yeah, he's clearly still producing, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, the moment they made that trade, I was like, come on, you can't do that one. But I, I get why, but it sucks. Um, Machado's 11 home runs away from 300. Harper's 12 home runs away from 300. Uh, you got a couple pitching milestones. I'll let you round these off, Joe. Yeah, Zach Greinke needs 68 strikeouts to join a 3,000K club. Um, he needed 118 to start the year. So he's, he's making some progress as the year goes on. Uh, Kershaw needs 100 Ks to hit that same mark. Same mark. Um, he needed 193 at the beginning of the year, so he's really been cooking. Um, that you know, Cooperstown curveball, as some people call it, is is still delivering. It's just amazing to watch him pitch. Um, Justin Verlander needs four wins to join the 250 win club, and Wainwright needs three wins to join a 200 win club. So. Yeah, I, you know, when we started the year, I wasn't sure if Grinky was going to be able to put up enough because, you know, just the way his game has evolved, he's not the strikeout guy he used to be, but he is hauling in enough that I I, I think he could get that 68. I, I wasn't sure, but because 118 is a lot for a guy that only struck out 78, 80-some guys last year, but he's racking them in pretty quick this year. Um, Kershaw at 193, I don't think he's going to hit it this year. I think he's going to fall just a touch short, not by a lot, but 193 for a season's a lot for a guy that's not a huge strikeout guy anymore like he used to be. So uh, is it impossible? No, definitely not. But I, th- I, I'm just not seeing it for Kershaw this year. I think it's going to take one more year. But if he does pitch one more year, I, I think absolutely no questions. He'll hit 3,000. Yeah, absolutely. And then <laughs> Wainwright, that's crazy that to think Wainwright's still pitching to get to that 2000 club. That's uh yeah, it's a little nuts. All right, so let's roll into fantasy baseball. And in irony of ironies, the scores were the same for both matchups this past week. Joe, you and I were back and forth all week. You did take it 13 to 12 and uh as much as we were all pulling for Ronnie to help let us uh, catch Jason a little more, that did not happen as Jason beat Ronnie 13 to 12. And again, these matchups were insanely close this week. 
Um, you know, we had a bunch of categories that went back and forth. Like you took hits by four. I took doubles by one. Um, you took stolen bases by one. Uh, you know, just looking down at the pitching, I took wins by one. You took losses by two. We split saves. I still don't have a relief man. So that no holds for me. But the one thing that really drove me nuts, Alcantara finally pitches well. I didn't start him because he's been so bad lately. But, of course, he pitches well. And then Martin, and then uh, Martin Perez, who's pitched really well for the Rangers all year, decides, nah, I'm going to suck tonight and got lit up yesterday. So that helps you out quite a bit to uh, knock my pitching numbers away because I was really hoping he'd pick me up at least a quality start so I could take that one and square it back up. But, no, of course not. Yeah, the um, I mean, what what did uh, Alcantara pitch against the White Sox? Uh, Warner Day game because that was a, yes, that was, that was a beautiful back and forth until the ninth inning. Seven innings, one hit, one earned run, a home run allowed, two walks, four Ks. Yeah, what's what's yeah, amazing? What's amazing about that is he didn't get the loss because the White Sox blew it in the ninth, which isn't necessarily a surprise uh, with. Hendricks on the IL, but we'll, we'll hit that a little later. Yeah. Um, one guy I want to bring up, Joe, uh, Ellie De La Cruz, the Reds, he's the Reds' number one overall prospect, one of the top prospects in baseball. Um, they brought him up, and the dude has just torn it up since he came up. Um, I picked him up, and uh, some, I'm shocked Jason wasn't paying enough attention to grab him because that's usually the kind of thing he does, especially because uh, De La Cruz has third base and shortstop eligibility. So, we all know Jason loves his guys that he can mix and match. Um, the, the number since he came up, eight for 22, seven runs, five singles, a double, a triple, a home run, four RBIs, three stolen bases, five walks, 10 strikeouts. Perfect fielding so far. That's a 364 average and a 1117 OPS. That's, I, I know he's going to cool down, obviously, but that's a damn good way to start. <laughs> yeah, not, nothing like catching lightning in a bottle when you bring a guy up and he mashes right away. Yeah, uh, similar to, to what Morel did for the first three weeks he was up. Yeah. I mean, he had a homer in almost every game for a week and a half. <laughs> that that so, was pretty sweet. Yeah. So, I mean, good, good. The Reds need something positive. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. So the standings, Jason leads the way at 148, 107, and 25. I'm 19 and a half back at 128, 126, and 26. You're 20 and a half back at 128, 128, and 24. And Ronnie is pulling up the rear at 42 games back, 106, 149, and 25. So that's the action for this week in the Dollar Dogs and Beer Fantasy Baseball League. Um Joe, do you have any other thoughts that you had from the fantasy week? I didn't really pay attention to Joe and or to Rod and Jason's matchup because I was busy with ours. <laughs> yeah, um, look, ours was a, a a knockdown drag out for the entire week, and and I think, um, you know, I, I didn't make as many switch like any as many flips on players as I had in previous weeks, and I think um, a, a couple of guys really just worked out. Um, Luis Arias continues to just be insane. Uh, uh, dude, Arias is one of the best players in the league right now. He's it, how you can't get the dude out. Yeah, he's he's been otherworldly this year offensively. It's been fun to watch. Um, you know, and and look, I, I mean, yeah, I, I thought we had a nice week. I was really kind of back and forth about Sunday, and and fortunately, Sunday went my way. So. 
Yeah. Other than, other than Monday, I think we were within four points of each other all week, swinging back and forth almost every other day. It, it was much. right. So, yeah, it was a good week. It didn't go the way I wanted, but it was a good week nonetheless. All right. So, Joe, how about them Cubbies? Yeah, um, we're not going to spend too much time on the first game. We kind of of the week we kind of hashed that out on um, on last Tuesday's episode. Uh, they they lost the final game of that Padres series five to nothing. Um, behind Phil Cuzzy behind the plate, who we attacked pretty relentlessly last week, um, and Blake Snell, who's been ineffective, looking like Cy Young. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was the story of that. But they, they, you know, they finished. They continued their West Coast road trip, uh, three against the Angels. They lost these uh, seven to four, six to two, and three to one. Um, just really uncompetitive in a lot of ways. I think. Uh, don't take anything away from what uh, the Angels were able to do. They were, um, you know, Trout had a good week. Otani had a decent week. Uh, the highlight of this series for me um, was watching the videos of uh, Seiya trying to, uh, you know, mimicking a fisherman and trying to reel in Otani. Um, they're good friends. You saw a ton of interaction between those two. Um, I, you know, you're hoping he put in a few good words about what what playing in Chicago could be like. Um, but as we talked about last week, that's going to be an offseason thing. Um, it's kind of, I mean, you're going to have to, get rid of your entire farm system to get a guy like that. So yeah, not a great week offensively there for getting swept, just kind of, you know, took some of the air out of the balloon, um, you know, in the early part of the week there, continuing the road trip, um, you know, and then they went to San Francisco for the weekend. Um, they win Friday night's game three to two. Stroman had an excellent performance. I think he was, he continues to pitch, out of out of this world um, for them, you know, uh, six and two thirds. He gave up six hits, but he only gave up two runs, five strikeouts, four walks. So not his best stuff, but good enough to get the job done. Thanks to some timely hitting from some Cubs players who haven't been hitting so well lately. So um, Nick Madrigal came back uh, from Iowa and he was tearing it up in AAA. So um, getting the opportunity again to kind of see what he can do. Um, a lot of that has to do with wisdom being kind of below average defensively lately. Um, and um, at, at, as of June 8th, wisdom had had 43 strikeouts in his last 98 plate appearances since May 1st. So he really hasn't been productive. We were getting a lot of the uh, less effective, the really down the, the bad streaky side of wisdom for quite a while here. We'll see if that changes, but. Um, you know, Nico had a two run single in, in Friday night's game. So, you know, they did just enough to win, um, win on Friday night, the bullpen didn't blow it. Azalai has looked really good as the closer. I hope that they stick with him there. Um, but knowing David Ross and, and all that stuff, I just don't know if he's going to stick with what's working or not. Um, in Sunday's game, we're going to come back to Saturday's game in a minute, but, in Sunday's game, they lose this one 13 to three. Um, Wesneski really hasn't looked that, didn't look that great in this game. Certainly wasn't nasty by any means. Um, you know, three innings, four hits, five runs, 
all of them earned. So, I mean, his strike, his strikeout numbers were okay, but, and, and his walks weren't terrible. It was just who we gave up hits to. I mean, Jock had two home runs. Um, Estrada, I think, had a couple of home runs. Like Sable got in on the act. So, you know, they had everything working for them offensively yesterday. Um, the Cubs lose that game 13 to three. So uh, Peterson had four hits and, and two of them were homers, as I said. And then Estrada had a two run homer. It's, you know, it's, it's crazy. You, you catch lightning in a bottle. And I, I have said for as long as we've had this show that Jock Peterson was, you know, an underrated piece. I don't think he's necessarily underrated anymore. Not after what he did with, with the Braves a couple years ago. Um, he certainly has shown his worth and certainly has had a resurgence. I think he, when he left the, the Dodgers, I think he was on the downslope, and now he's kind of rejuvenated his career quite a bit, I think. I'm interested in your thoughts on Jock since you had some experience with him. Uh, Jock Peterson is a guy I'm always going to have fond memories of, even though he didn't have a long, you know, he didn't have a long stint in Atlanta, but boy, he left his, he left his mark. Um, from the letter he published uh, you know, in the newspaper down in Atlanta, the pearls, which just caught fire with the entire Atlanta Braves faithful. And, you know, the, we are those motherfuckers and just teaching that team to collectively take that chip, put it on their shoulder and just ride with it. I, I will always be a fan of jock. I, I really, he's, I, I kind of wish we would have gotten him back over Rosario, um, I'm really glad uh, between Solaire, Rosario, and Jock. I'm I am glad we got Rosario. He's not as much of a defensive liability in left field as uh, Solaire and Peterson are. Um, but you know, we also we had the unfortunate issue last year with Rosario's eye, where he was out for a couple months because he had to have emergency laser eye surgery because his vision was totally blurred up. So, you know, and you can't predict that. No, of course not. Um, I, I will never not love Jock Peterson though. Just for just we only have him for a couple months, but man, he he lit that team up. He lit that fan base up. Um, his is it his brother that he br- that he brings with him to his games a lot. Um, I think so. Um, I, I just love you know his brother's got some special needs and. He doesn't let his brother be treated any differently than anybody else. Make sure he is included. Make sure he's always there. Um, and if I remember right, Blooper was a fan of his brother as well. Um, you know, dude, Blooper is just a great mascot. You know, Charlie Freeman, Dansby's kids. It doesn't matter. Blooper, Blooper is involved with anybody and everybody. And whether you're friend, foe, whatever, you know, whether he's trying to steal your contract dollars or making friends with your kids, you know, just, just an all-in-all phenomenal mascot to watch interact with the, you know, family and players and fans. Uh, but yeah, Jock, man, I'm, I, I, there's never anything bad I'm going to say about Jock. He could hit a walk-off home run to beat the Braves, and I'm going to be pissed that we lost the game, but I'm not going to be mad at Jock for it. Well, that's that's yeah. Like I said, I think he's he certainly has gotten rejuvenated, and I'm I'm glad he was. I'm not, as much as I didn't want you guys to win the series, I'm glad he was helpful to push you guys through. I, to be honest, I don't know that they do without him. I mean, he didn't, he wasn't big in the World Series, but that NLCS series against the Dodgers without Jock Peterson, they do not win that series. Absolutely. 
So finishing off the uh, the Cubs week here, um, it, I told you we'd come back to the Saturday game. They win this one four to nothing. So they took two out of three um, against the Giants. They went four and six on the West Coast road trip. Uh, the story of this game is was Kyle Hendricks, um, who took a no hitter into uh, the eighth inning. Uh, set went seven and two thirds no hit, and then um, finished the eighth. Um, one walk and three strikeouts. So the fact that he was able to do that and get the ground ball contact and, and the fly ball contact that we're used to seeing him get um, and, and sort of have vintage Kyle, you know, numbers from a, from a pitching standpoint, uh, it was fun to watch. Uh, you know, his, his speed range was from 72 mile an hour at its lowest, which was like one curveball he threw in the eighth and 89 is his fastest pitch. <laughs> So, so to be able to do what he's doing and do it within that speed range, it's really, again, it's it, it was nice to see vintage Kyle Hendricks for an afternoon uh, on Saturday for sure. Um, really looked good against so – he went the, the eight innings and then Merriweather came in in the ninth to finish it off. Um, but at the point of the eighth inning, when the eighth inning was over, Hendricks had 94 pitches. I feel like he could have gone back out. Um, but – for what it's worth, you know, a former catcher probably knows better than I do. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, it was it was nice to see that event happen. Morrell went two for four, had a homer. Mervis had a homer in this game. So um, to see some of the, the young guys sort of get back on track and to see, again, see Kyle Hendricks deliver like we've seen the professor do um, w- was fun to see. And that's actually probably the only part of the game that – of the weekend that I really got to see. Um, but that brings me into um, my read the room for the week. Um, I've got quite a few of these, but we're going to start with um, TV crews in a no hitter. <laughs> like if you have it on the screen by the score and, and you know, that little score scoreboard box, it's on the screen. I don't need you to say it after every pitch. I'm tired of it. Like I'm not saying it jinxes it. I'm not gonna, you know, be a be a conspiracy theorist on that. But like, can you not say it every single pitch if you have the decal on the screen? Like, I don't need it. I had an idea about this eighth inning, and then I've got to be reminded after every pitch that he's got a no hitter going. And it's like we, we know he's got a no hitter going. You don't have to say it every five minutes. Now, You're also not not saying it though that it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it it makes me just frustrated now, you know, there, there's it brings me back to a lot of what I talked about a, few, a week or two ago with with broadcast crews and how there's just too much filler and too much, you know, content. And it's like, just just let the game happen. If you want to highlight it, you know, every other batter, I can, I can understand that. But every pitch, it was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I have enough anxiety as a Cub fan watching this. I don't need you to add to it by talking about the last time the Giants were no hit after, you know, every other batter, which the answer to that trivia question was, is Homer Bailey uh, was the last one to no hit the Giants just in case you needed that. Uh, Homer Bailey. It's been that long. Right. Jesus. I, I just don't understand the need to, 
to constantly beleaguer it. If you're going to, again, put it up on the decal on, on the screen, I don't think you need to hammer it home after every single pitch of the at-bat. Yeah. Um, it, it got a little irritating, extremely irritating. And it, again, it, I'm like, I'm a Cub fan and I'm a Kyle fan. Like you're adding to my anxiety. I'm having enough anxiety watching this game. I don't need you to add to it. Um, but what I love about Kyle Hendricks is, is just like his expression doesn't change the entire time that the eighth inning is happening. He's just like, okay, whatever. I didn't get that call. I got the next call or whatever it is. Um, you know, but the other thing I, the other gripe I have with, with how Saturday went down is can we please, if a pitcher is that close to a, a complete game and he's been dominant all game long, can we please let a guy finish the game? Please. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The, the, the Cubs have the best rotate, one of the best rotations in the National League, right? Their, their ERA. Tied for first in the National League as a as a rotation. Same thing with Whip. Tied for first in the National League. Average against them. First in the National League. Least number of home runs given up all year. You know, like, can we please? The, the rotation is the best part of your ball club, and a guy is delivering like that. Let him finish the freaking game. Your bullpen has been a liability all season. And you put it in the hands of the bullpen. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm glad they win the game, obviously. But, like, your bullpen has been such a liability, and he looks really good, and he says he's feeling good. Let him finish the freaking game. I'm tired of not seeing pitchers get complete games when they're that close. And, and not only that, if you're that worried about his arm, give him an extra day off before his next start. Just push it back an extra day. Yeah, I mean – it's it's one of those things where you can you can finagle this how you want to. I think steals do back within the next week, um, or maybe a week and a half. But you know, you you can find ways around this. I don't think you need to take a guy out who's been absolutely dominant all afternoon, and uh, all he has to do is get three outs. And with Kyle Hendricks, that could be on three pitches on ground balls. Yeah. So do we really need to, you know? I, I don't understand the the impetus that you know we have to have a closer finish the game or we have to do we have to go to the bullpen after this many innings and you know if the guy is absolutely dealing and he's having an absolutely dominant pitching performance and your bullpen has been a liability that it has been what are we doing what are we talking about this is, this is it's absolutely ridiculous the micromanagement of pitchers and particularly you see this a ton with former catchers as managers, like, can we please stop doing it? The, the, the guy is, was this close to a no-hitter. The guy was could have potentially had a complete game if he got lucky under 100 pitches. You had a guy in a college game, I think it was yesterday, through 130. Like, you know, I, I understand, and, and again – Given my, my previous background working with pitchers, you know, I understand there are limits to certain things, but pitch counts are rather arbitrary for the most part. And, you know, again, you have to do, you have to go by feel sometimes. And, and he was just absolutely dominant. And to take a complete game away from the guy is just ridiculous. He's the 
only guy left from your 2016 World Series team, and he has an opportunity to get a complete game, and you take it out of his hands. I don't understand it. Yeah, and, and not only that, like you said, Hendricks is the kind of guy that is very likely that he would just throw three pitches, get three ground balls, and be out of it. He's not a strikeout guy. You don't have to worry about him getting grinded in long at-bats because he is pitching for contact. He is not pitching for swings and misses. You know, you handle this differently with a guy who is trying to rack up strikeouts and is going to rack up a huge pitch count because of it than you do with a guy who's, who pitches for contact. Why do you think we have the Maddox games? What They were named after Greg Maddox because, although, yes, Maddox struck out a ton of guys. But Maddox didn't pitch for strikeouts. He pitched for that contact. Tom Glavin pitched for contact. Steve Avery pitched for contact. There was only one guy in that Atlanta Braves rotation consistently back in the 90s and early 2000s. That was the high strikeout guy. That was John Smoltz. He was the only guy that tr- that was trying to blow people away and racked up huge pitch counts because of it. Everybody else was like, let's get in, get out, and get home. I, I don't understand why a manager can't look past a pitch count and look at the type of pitcher that's on the mound and say, no, this guy will be okay. Let's run him back out there. Or even if he's right around low hundreds, run him back out there anyway. He'll probably be fine, and he'll probably get it done quickly. Joe, you nailed it. Yeah. And the last thing, I mean, what, last thing about the Cubs, and I promise I'll talk about somebody else, <laughs> is it – you have a metro population in Chicago of 9.4 million people. The rest of the NL Central combined is 8.6 million. There is no reason that you don't have the capital to spend on your ball club and make strong investments in your team. And, and, and you know, we're, we're kind of in this, as a Cub fan, you're kind of in this up and down kind of who's getting traded, who's not. Are we talking about trades now? Are we that far out of it that we don't have to that we can't come back? You know, where are we? And the reason we shouldn't be in this position year in and year out. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, uh, two other things read the room here. Uh, Boston and New York Yankees. Can we please stop prime timing and Sunday night baseballing two mediocre ball clubs? Just because they're the Yankees and the Red Sox. I would rather watch the Marlins and the Phillies or the Marlins and the Braves. No, please, please don't watch. send the Braves to Sunday night baseball. I hate Sunday night baseball games. I hate them. Yeah. Let them have the Yankees and Red Sox. It's, it's first, I mean, Sunday night baseball is, a, is an unenjoyable product to begin with. But can we please stop featuring mediocre ball clubs just because they're the Red Sox and the Yankees. But, it's better but, suited to put, you know, put, put the Red Sox and, or the, you know, the Orioles and the Blue Jays or the Orioles and whoever in Sunday night baseball, instead of two mediocre ball clubs who can't even, you know, get to the middle of their division right now. Two things to point out. I can't call them mediocre right now. The Red Sox are at 500. The Yankees are 38 and 29. They're third place. Man, I know they're nine and a half out, but that that division's a bloodbath, and they're a game ahead of the uh, Blue Jays you were just talking about. So, yeah. I as much as I love to rag on the Red Sox and the Yankees, I cannot call them two mediocre teams. 
Um, mediocre in the, in the in the sense of their division. Obviously, not mediocre in the sense of of complete talent. But okay. like, can we can we please not like always feature them every time they play each other on a weekend series? That's that, fair. That's that's my biggest gripe is that every time they have a weekend series, we know what the Sunday night game is. Yeah, that that's true. Now it's, um, it's getting old. Jason Rushnoff does bring up a good point. I'd rather watch the Yankees Sox. They have the closest rivalry, and that is true. It, of all the rivalries in baseball, it, it is the it, it is the biggest rivalry in baseball. It's like Michigan Ohio State football, man. I get or, it, Joe. To put it in terms you might understand, USC Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, Jason goes on. You're mad because the Cubs, the Bears, the Blackhawks combined have less wins than the end. <laughs> You know, he's not wrong about that. I don't see a huge improvement from the Bears coming up. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, the last read the room is, is fans who criticize other fans and question their fandom. Okay? It is okay if you want to be a, you know, 100% in a tank, my team can do no wrong kind of person. But if somebody else wants to take a glass half-empty look at things and say, you know, hey – the club needs to improve on this. The club needs to improve on that. The manager needs to be fired. Ownership's terrible. Like both perspectives can it can exist, can coexist in in the fandom of a team. Can we please stop ragging on each other just because one person chooses to see rosy rosy eyed glasses and the other person chooses to see the reality? That's fair, and I'm I'm going to be bringing some of this up in a little bit when we bring up the Braves Mets series, but. You know, and I, I see it everywhere in social media, and I kind of chalk it up as a side effect of social media because, but let, let's face it, I mean, you know, we use social media to promote our podcast, and we post it on social media and everything else, but social media, honest to God, it is kind of a cesspool, no matter which way you look at it, um, especially Twitter's gotten really bad. <laughs> That's, uh, there's a reason my, uh, my, my, my private account has been less active than normal lately. I'm just, I, I'm not very happy with the way things have been on Twitter lately, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Joe. And it's, you know, it's funny watching because it's, you know, you've got, you nailed it. You've got the absolutely optimistic folks. You got the absolutely pessimistic folks. You got everybody everywhere in between. And it's, uh, it's something, something to see. All right, so let's let's roll on to this one. Uh, the first all, the first update for the All Star ballots re were released today. Um, Joe, I'll let you uh, give us the update in the American League. I'll roll out the National League, and then we'll uh, break these down a little bit. So, uh, what do we have for the American League? Yeah, so um, starting with with uh, first base, uh, the, the top five vote getters at this point: Vlad Jr. Uh, at the top, Yandy Diaz from the from Tampa Bay, second. Rizzo third, Nathaniel Lowe from Texas fourth, and Ty France fifth. Uh, second base. Yeah, hold on one second. Uh, one other comment from Jason here I want to bring up. Imagine if the Rays actually had a payroll. The Rays have been the most dominant team in the American League East for the past several years. If the Yankees lose against the Astros or miss the playoff, it's time to let go of Boone and definitely Cashman for his bad spending management. Uh, Jason, those are excellent points. Um, we've brought this up before with the Rays being such a such a small market ball club, but 
continuing to bring in success because they have done such a great job at building from within, building their farm system up and being smart on who to trade for and who to trade away. Um, they, they do that better than almost anybody. I hate seeing the Braves engaged in trade talks with the Rays because the Rays win trades at a ridiculous clip. Um, if the Rays were willing to splash a little bit more money, uh, they're already coming into games tonight. They're at 48 and 20, the best team in the league by far. Uh, they've scored 391 runs, which is number two in the league to Texas at 400, but they've only allowed 251. That's a ridiculous plus 140 run differential. They're 29 and 14 against teams over 500, 31 and seven at home, 17 and 13 on the road. I mean, yeah, imagine how good that team would be if they would just splash just a little bit extra. You know, they don't have to go, they don't have to go Yankees, Mets, Red Sox level spending. Imagine if they were like mid level, closer to like Atlanta, Philadelphia. Okay, that's top third, but still, imagine if they were if they would move themselves out of the basement and just spend a little bit more. It's kind of crazy to think about. All right, go ahead, Joe. Continue with second base. Yeah, second base. Uh... Simeon from Texas is the leading vote getter um, by a large margin right now um, over Altuve in, at second there um, with Merrifield in third, Glaver Torres at fourth and Brandon Drury at fifth at third base. Uh, Matt Chapman is your leading vote getter right now, but it's very close with Josh Jung from Texas, about 5,000 votes there uh, between those two guys. Rafi Devers third in the list. Alex Bregman fourth and Anthony Rendon fifth. Uh, How is Rendon getting votes? <laughs> Dude's hurt all the time. Anyway, go on. Same reason Brandon Drury's getting votes. <laughs> the, the fans are turning out out for that. Um, at short, uh, Boba Shett leads leads all vote t- uh, getters here, um, and it's not really close at this point. Um, again, he's from Toronto. Seager from Texas second. Wander Franco at third uh, in the in the vote getting, uh, Jeremy Pena fourth, and J.P. Crawford fifth. Um, in the outfield, you have Aaron Judge as your top vote getter. No surprise there. Uh, I think he's top three total um, across all positions and leagues um, for votes at this point. Um, Trout second, Jordan third, uh, Rosarena fourth, Kiermaier fifth. Um, Adolis Garcia, six, George Springer, seven, uh, Yoshida, eight, and Julio, nine. Um, he is number three, number two in the American League and number three overall. Right. Um, at, at catcher, Rutschman uh, is, is the leading vote getter now by about 140,000. Uh, Jonah Heim from Texas, followed by Sal Perez, uh, Alejandro Kirk, and Martin Maldonado. Um, and then rounding out the American League at DH, uh, Shohei, uh, I, I, I don't know if he's the second. He's number one in the American League, number two overall. Two overall, okay. Um, so number one in the American League at 924,182 votes so far. Uh, Brandon Belt, two. Uh, Robbie Grossman, three. Uh, Corey Jokes, four. And Harold Ramirez, five. Boy, you could tell people are really stretching to find guys to vote for after Shohei, can't you? <laughs> Well, it's it's you know seven hundred thousand some vote difference at this point, and that's just in the beginning of this. So, 
Yeah, I think that one's pretty safe. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at the National League before we before we discuss the whole thing. Uh, first base is not too close. Freddie Freeman is leading by a pretty large margin. He's got 775,000 votes. Uh, you've got Pete Alonso, second, Matt Olson, third, Paul Goldschmidt, fourth, Trey Mancini, fifth, although Mancini's got 79,000 votes, so he's a little under 600,000 and change behind Freeman. Um, second base, again, this one is starting to run away, but it's not a surprise. Luis Arias of the Marlins at 509,000. Uh, Ozzie Albies of the Braves second at 376,000. Then you've got Nolan Gorman of the Cardinals, Miguel Vargas of the Dodgers, and Jeff McNeil of the Mets. Looking at third base, this one's actually kind of close. Nolan Arenado is leading at 410,000. Um, Austin Riley is uh, not too far behind at 368,000. Muncie is right behind Riley at 358,000. These three, I could see them absolutely swapping before this is done. Uh, J.D. Davis of the Giants is fourth. Manny Machado is fifth at shortstop. And th this one I love seeing because uh, – Fans are ignoring the time he was spent injured. Orlando Arcia, the Braves, is leading the way, 406,500. Uh, Francisco Lindor is second at 302,000. Then you got Bogarts third, McLean fourth, McC uh, Matt McLean of the Reds, excuse me, and then Dansby Swanson of the Cubbies fifth. Uh, personally, I, I, I don't think Francisco Lindor should be this high. Um, I'll get into that later, but. I'm not liking that. In the outfield, the number one overall votes getter in both leagues right now, really given the year he's having so far, not a surprise to me. Ronald Acuna Jr., the Braves, the only guy with a million votes so far, 1,086,537. Uh, rounding out the outfield for the National League, uh, Mookie of the Dodgers is next, then Lourdes Gurriel of the, of the Diamondbacks, Juan Soto of the Padres, Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres, Michael Harris of the Braves, Cody Bellinger of the Cubs, and Nick Castellanos of the Phillies. At catcher, uh, leading the way is Sean Murphy, 603,501 votes. Will Smith is behind him at 419,000. I'm not really surprised by this. Will Smith is having a great year, but he was hurt for a while. Murphy's been playing the whole time, so I'm not too surprised to see this. Um, Elias Diaz of the Rockies is third. Francisco Alvarez of the Mets is fourth, and JT Romito is fifth. Looking at DH, J.D. Martinez is leading that at 412,000. Bryce Harper second at 380,000. Apparently, we're ignoring time he's been injured. Uh, Travis Darno is third at 221,000. I know he was injured too, but not for nearly as long. Uh, Jorge Soler is fourth and uh, Morel is fifth. Um, I was happy to see Morel hop in there. So, Joe, a couple thoughts I had first of all. Um, the American League, uh, it, it pretty much Tampa Bay, Toronto, the Yankees, the Rangers, that's most of the teams, uh, that's the vast majority of the reps so far. I'm not really surprised by that, but the um, the other teams are not getting a ton of guys even making the top five. So it's a little, you know, that's a little, it is what it is, I guess. Um, first base, I, I'm really surprised to see Yandi as close to Vlad as he is. Um, I'm happy to see Rizzo's up there. That that was a little surprising to me. I thought uh, Rizzo would be a little lower than that. So I'm, I'm glad to see he's getting a good push. Not surprised Semyon is running away with second base. Without Tuve being hurt earlier this year, none of the rest of the second basemen have been great, to be honest. Um, it's going to be a great fight watching Chapman and Jung battle it out at third base in the American League. That's going to flip-flop a couple times, I think, before we're done. Um, at shortstop, again, I wasn't surprised by Bichette. Um, Joe, I would like it noted that uh, my fantasy baseball team, the top three vote-getters in the American League are all on my roster, along with Ronald Acuna Jr., 
Just want to throw that out there. That, that is the core of my offense, and that is why my offense has been so good this year in fantasy baseball. Thank you very much. Um, I, I think that's, pro- to be honest, uh, now Judge may not be back in time to play, but I would not be surprised if Judge Trout Alvarez are your starting three. Um, a Rosarina might catch um, Alvarez, but I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I think those are going to be your starting three. Rutschman at catchers, no surprise. Um, Jonah Heim, pleasantly surprised to see him up there. He's having a really good year. Um, I, I'm glad it's not just Salvador Perez picking up the second place votes because who else do you vote for in the American League at catcher? Um, good to see that. And then Shohei, again, no surprise there. Do uh, you have any other thoughts in the American League? Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, um, I, I th- Chapman had a bit of a downswing, I think, over the last month or so. If he had been staying as hot as he was in April and May, I think he runs away with this, mm-hmm. uh, the early part of May at least. Uh, Simeon's not really a surprise. A ton of people won't vote for Altuve just based on the fact that he plays for the Astros. Um, you know, um, so – Simeon's been the best performer of all of the second baseman in the American League. I do sure. want to clarify. I won't vote for Altuve, not just because he's an Astro, but because he was directly involved in all of that, too. Right. Dude was wearing a wire. Anyway, go on. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised, but then I'm not surprised about how that, that closeness at first base. I think Tampa Bay just was so hot to begin the year, and they're still hot. So, I mean – that that's getting a lot of a lot of exposure their way um fans of the game so i'm not surprised by that too much um you know judge is judge i mean judge could replace trout as the guy who gets the most votes and doesn't play in the game (laughs) (laughs) so this might be the first all-star game that trout actually plays in no don't say that don't jinx him please please (laughs) um yeah uh, you know, the, most of these are pretty, pretty far and away things here. I mean, there's not a ton of surprises there. I think the surprise, if you're a, a fan of them, is just how far off um, TA has fallen off at short for the White Sox. The fact that he's not even close to the top five. Yeah, or, I know he's been hurt, but yeah. I mean, I mean, he 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 absolutely blew it on Saturday against against the Marlins. He he botched it. He tried to throw it home before he had the ball, basically, um, and and that just sort of spiraled from there. Um, so some of the guys that we would expect to see um, just really either aren't in the picture or are pretty low on the on on the top five. So um, some of that is interesting. I think uh, Jonah Heim, as you mentioned, the fact that it's not just Sal picking up all those votes. <laughs> um, you know, the fact that there's some depth there at the position in, in the American League is nice to see. Yeah. Now, that said, I think the American League is going to carry three catchers. I think Salvi is going to make it as the Royals. You have to have a rep rep, um, which drives me nuts that baseball still has that rule that every team has to have a rep in the game because a lot of these guys that sneak in really shouldn't be there. But Salvi, I'm okay with him being there as a third catcher. Does suck for Alejandro Kirk because he's actually having a pretty good year, and it's it's not he's not going to make it. Yeah, um, I think the other thing too with with the Royals is you can almost see them getting Granky or Chapman in as their team rep. Um, yeah, that's true too. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Granky. 
there's not enough pressure, I think, to to propel Salvi over, but we'll see. Yeah. Now, looking at the National League, um, I'm not surprised Freddie's leading first. I'm surprised he's leading first by as much as he is. He's leading by almost 400,000 votes over Alonzo. I mean, before Alonzo got hurt against the Braves, he was on pace, I think, for around 60 home runs. So, uh, lightning hot. But, you know, Freddie has been steady Freddie like he always is. He's a 300 hitter or thereabouts, and he's got some good pop, and he's doing good things out there in Los Angeles. Honestly, I think a lot of that has to do with the the negative media attention around the Mets. I think that has a lot to do with with Alonzo's uh, spot here. Is he's just you know, there's so much negativity about how how bad of a go that that team is having. Um, and he's, and and he's the one really bright him. spot. What's that? And he's the one really bright spot for that team. Let's be real. Yeah, he's he's certainly one of them. Um, you know, it, it's it's a shame that the the rest of the team stuff is kind of getting in the way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like I said earlier, I'm happy to see Mancini picking up votes. I'm not surprised he's not really going to make much of a push. That's a long stretch to catch, but it's good to see him getting votes, getting top five. Uh, second base, I think it's just, I think you see your top two are going to be the reps arise, will be the starter. Ozzy's going to be relieving him. I'm not really surprised by that at all. They're both having great years. If Arias wasn't hitting 400, I think Ozzy would absolutely be ahead of him. But you, how, how do you vote against a guy hitting 400 right now? I'm a homer of a Braves fan, and I cast my vote for Arias. Yeah, um, Gorman was really playing really well for a good three weeks there, and then that's kind of sort of died off a little bit. So I think that's sort of affected his vote total a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, third base, this nobody has run away with it this year. None of the third basemen are really playing out of their minds. But uh, the way I would describe Arenado, Riley, and Muncy all together, they're having good years, but none of them are having a great year so far. Not None of them has caught fire and really started to take off yet. Uh, you know, no complaints about any of their lines so far, but it's nothing super special yet. Yeah, and I don't see enough – I don't, I don't watch enough of, of Brave games to know Riley's defensive abilities. Um and, and how good he's been defensively. Um, but Arenado is is not quite the platinum glover this year. He's really not been that great. Um, he's had a ton of errors and things. So, And, of course, the negative attention around the Cardinals is certainly not helping him either. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, give me a second here. I'm pulling up Austin's uh, defensive numbers, if uh, baseball reference would speed up. Here we go. Come on. Yeah, I mean, he's only got 1.2 wars so far this year, so it's definitely a much slower start than we are accustomed to seeing out of Austin Riley. You know, some of that, the new contract last year, that's definitely possible. All right, so 65 games. Let's see here. He's only made seven errors. He's got a 960 fielding percentage, turned 15 double plays. Um, it, you know, it's... Not not the best, not the worst. He's a career 963, so he's right around his career numbers for fielding. Um, uh, let me see one other thing here. 
He's usually good. For, actually, he's last year he set his career high at 20 double plays turned, and he's already at 15, so he's probably going to break that. Um, his highest number of errors in this season was 14. He did that twice, so he's halfway there. So that's probably – Joe, I'd say it's probably a safe average about 14. So it, the one thing I really like about Austin Riley defensively is his range and his arm, which that's kind of neutered a little bit now with the uh, – with the, shift banning rules because he used to be the guy that they would shift out into uh out into like middle right field against lefties and he doesn't get to show off his range anymore so you know it's just one thing that we have to deal with with the new rules um same actually that's the same thing with manny machado they were both very much like that they good enough arms you could put them out in that middle outfield and no problem um, you know, I know I said a couple weeks ago when we announced the all-star balloting that I didn't think Orlando RC was going to get recognition because of his time spent on the IL. Um, I'm really glad he is because he is having a great season. He's still hitting over 300 right now. You know, everybody was worried who's going to replace Dansby. Who's going to, he has done just fine replacing Dansby. And we saw when um, RC was hurt and they had to bring, um, Oh my God, I'm blanking. Anyway, you know, the guys who bring up for the minors clearly not quite ready yet. So RC has been a wonderful keep. Uh, I think Dan Spee's getting hosed, dude. I, I think he's absolutely getting hosed. Lindor should not be where he is. I I am not impressed with the season Lindor is having so far. He's got the power numbers, but that's about it. His average is in the toilet. Um, defensively, he, is, he hasn't been spectacular. Uh, the fact that he's ahead of as many people as he is, I think is just nuts. Um, McLean is having a really good year. I'm glad to see he is getting some recognition. Um, and Bogarts again, I think Bogarts is kind of just a popularity pick. He's having a good year, not a great year. Right. Um, the outfield top three, don't surprise me. Acuna, Mookie, Guriel. Um, I don't think Juan Soto is going to sneak into a starting spot. Corbin Carroll, I think could sneak into a starting spot if he stays hot. I'm actually surprised to see Michael Harris be as high as he is because his bat has not been there for most of the first half of the year. His glove has been, no doubt, but um, the bat and the speed haven't been there. Like, to the point that he's like, screw it, I'm going to start dropping bunts down just to get on, and he's he's finally starting to catch fire. So hopefully that bodes well for the second half for him. Um, I'm gonna, I've got some comments on Castellano, so I'm going to hold them for just a second um, until we get through the rest of this. Catcher, again, I meant, like I mentioned, not surprised Murphy's ahead of Will Smith. Will Smith was injured. Murphy has, and he's been consistent and a great contributor. Um, again, I think the NL is going to take three catchers. I think Elias Diaz will make it in as Colorado's sole rep. And then um, the DH, J.D. Martinez, uh, no questions asked. I think that's absolutely the right call. Um, Joe, here's one thing, and I, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, and uh, – Hold on before hold on before um, everybody roasts me and throws me into the bus for it because I have a reason for saying it. Philly fans, stop voting for Bryce Harper. Stop voting for him. He was hurt too much. One, I, I know the numbers are good, but he's played half a year so far. I, I think it's ridiculous. He's picking up the votes he is, but stop voting for Bryce Harper because. The Philly that deserves to, because I, I I really truly don't think Philly's going to get more than one, maybe two reps, but I think two is a stretch. Philly's rep should be Nick Castellanos. Castellanos is having an absolute resurgence this year after such a bad year last year. 
Um, he is the guy that should be on the all-star team representing the Philadelphia Phillies, not Bryce Harper. Stop voting for him. Let Martinez take it and pour everything you have into Castellanos. Cause the fact that Castellanos is hitting as well as he is, and he is no offense, Joe, but the fact that he's behind Bellinger who's been hurt, I, I think is a little ridiculous. Honestly, I don't think he should be behind Harris either. He should be ahead of both of them. I mean, I have no disagreement with you there. I mean, I, Bellinger is getting there because his, his April was absolutely nuts. Um, and, and the early part of May before he got hurt. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, Castellanos is, is definitely the, the best performing Philly right now. And like you said, he's having that resurgent year, which a lot of us, I, th I think, I think Jason expected that. I think I know I expected that he would have sort of a bounce back and he, and he's had that, um, you know, Look, as, so long as we have a fan vote, you're going to have some of this. There's a reason that Mike Trout was named a starter for, what, eight All-Star games that he never had a shot of playing in. Like, it, it, this is one of those those casualties of having a fan vote. So, um, you know, it, it's to be expected. Harper's going to get these votes, and, he, and he's, you know, he could finish second, and he probably will. Um, but I, I don't – I mean – Harper gets in, he gets in, but I, I, I do agree with you. Castellanos has been, you know, exceptional this year and, and having a good a bounce back. That um, They certainly needed that. Yeah, for what they paid for the guy? Yeah. <laughs> All right, Joe, did you have any obvious snubs that you thought should have been, should have been top five or could have been top five? I, I think, honestly um, – I don't think they're terrible lists, actually. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie just chimed in. He did vote for Nick, um, as you should. Castellanos is having a hell of a year. Um, but I I can't really think of any super obvious snubs from this list. I, You know, there's some positioning I don't agree with, but I really think, by and large, the top five across the board is pretty good in both leagues. Yeah, there's not too much disagreement. Um you know, you mentioned Dansby. I think he's he's a casualty of Cub fans kind of being apoplectic at this point. Can't say I blame him. Um, as is experienced by – is evidenced by my reaction on a weekly basis. Um, you know, the fact that Seiya isn't in, isn't in the mix in the outfield is kind of disappointing because he's had a much better year. Um, I mean, he did spend the first month, I think, off. So that's probably – the reason for that, but um, he, he's been pretty good. Uh, no, no real major snubs. I don't that I can see. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you know Morel's hot streak to start the year when he got pushed up finally um, got him, got him into the top five at least for now. But um, um, say is number ten, hundred seventy thousand thirteen. Okay, so he's right behind Castellanos. Okay. Yep. So that is that. Um, yeah, I generally, I don't really, like I said, I don't have a ton of grapes. I know that's very odd for me. I usually have plenty of things I do like to complain about as everybody knows. Um, but no, really this is for fan voting. This is really not too bad. All things considered. Yeah. It's, it's not nearly as outrageous as it, as it's been in years past. So yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't like I said. I don't see too many major snubs, and I don't have too many gripes about positioning here. Yeah. 
All right, so rolling into the Braves, um, I'm going to mention all the scores first, but we're going to do National Series first. Uh, I want to save the Mets for last. It was a good six-game week, though, for the Braves as they went five and one. As they went five and one, almost almost got the perfect week. Uh, beat the Mets in game one, six to four. Bryce Elder beat Smith. That was Elder's fourth win of the year. Glacius picked up his eighth save. Game two was a seven to five win. Anderson got the win. Minter picked up his eighth save. Uh, Thursday night was a 10 inning affair. It was a 13 to 10 walk off win for the Braves. Iglesias picked up his second win of the year. Then on Friday, it was another come from behind win. Kirby Yates picked up his second win of the year. Iglesias' ninth save. Saturday was a six to four victory. Uh, Schuster picked up his third win of the year. He's come on. I'm very impressed with how he's been doing. Uh, Minder picked up his ninth save. And on Sunday, the Braves uh, fell just short six to two. Uh, Williams took the took the win for the Nats and uh, Bryce Elder took his first loss of the year for the Braves. Um, just quickly with the national series, I'm not really going to dig too deep into this um, Friday night when they won three to two was a come from behind. All three of the Mets games were come from behind as well. So that was four straight come from behind victories for the Braves. Um, you know, it, it, I, I've mentioned this many times over the last couple of years, the Braves are not a team to ever assume that they're done fighting until that 27th out is recorded. That's just the way that team is built. And that team has so much pop that they can just explode at any time for a bunch of runs. Um, you know, I'm happy that they took the Nat series. They should have taken the Nat series, just like they should have taken the damn A's series last week. But, you know, two out of three, it's what you got to do against those teams. Um, you know, the Nationals are the Nationals. They're not great. They will not be great this year. They're not going to be great for a couple years, but they're they're plucky. They're not hatefully terrible. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I've seen better. I've seen worse. But uh, this is not the worst Nats team I've seen. Now, let, let, let's talk about the Mets here because uh, I, I got some fun statistics for this series, Joe. Um, number one, this is the first time in New York Mets franchise history. Again, franchise history that they've lost three straight games in which they led by three runs or more in all of those games. <laughs> I mean, my God, we knew the Mets bullpen wasn't going to be as good because Edwin Diaz is out for the year or will likely be out for the year. I've seen pictures. He's rehabbing hard. The Mets are hopeful that he would be ready for an October run. I'm going to tell the Mets fans right now, don't get your hopes up. Even if you make it to October, don't activate Edwin Diaz early and rush him back for a team that's not going to make it out of the first round if they make it at all. Because based on what I saw this weekend, I don't trust that Mets team to make it, number one. But if they do make it, I don't trust them to make it far. Because even with Diaz, that bullpen still has a lot of holes in it, as the Braves badly exposed this weekend. Um... Headlines from the New York Post. Mets look dead and buried as Verlander and the Pen suffer historic meltdown. <laughs> Bob Nightingale pointed out on Twitter, if you include luxury tax penalties, the Mets and Padres are dropping about $800 million to go, combine 59-66 and sit at home for the playoffs. I mean, Acuna was making insane catches on the wall out there in the game. You know, everything was clicking. You know, Brandon Nemo hit a freaking grand slam off Spencer Strider. That put them up 5-3 to three in that game. And they still turned around and lost the game because their bullpen sucks. 
From the New York Post, second best. New season, same story. Braves are still just better than the Mets. Another New York Post. Cohen's Mets blow another big lead, lose fifth straight. Really? $370 million for this? Referring, of course, to Max Scherzer. Some uh, comments that I saw on various Mets pages. You know, this Joe, this is kind of going back to what you were getting into earlier, where fan bases need to stop cannibalizing each other. We cannot beat the Braves. The Braves know how many runs down they will eventually come back. It's like the Chipper Jones years all over again. I love the fact that Chipper Jones is retired in a first ballot Hall of Famer at 97% of the vote, and he is still living rent-free in the heads of every Mets fan. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> uh, and then... Yeah, from game one when Pete Alonso got caught yelling out after he hit a home run off uh, off Elder, throw it again. Somebody, of course, took the Michael Jordan, and I took that personally meme as the Braves, of course, came from behind to win that one as well. Man, it was a hell of a week. <laughs> Everybody was clicking. That extra innings game was a three-run walk-off home run that Ozzy hit in the 10th inning off Hunter, and Hunter, the moment Ozzy hit that ball, just put his head down and started walking off. He didn't even turn and look to see how far it flew out. You know, it was just one of those. The moment it hit the bat, you knew that thing wasn't coming back. Man, I I, <laughs> I love weeks like that. I really do. They don't happen often enough, especially against a rival. <laughs> yeah, it's it's safe to say you had a pretty good week, and and there's there's a ton more. Questions than answers right now. That's for sure. They were exposed. Plain and simple. The Mets got exposed. Um, you know, Logan's been on a couple times. He's a big Mets fan. I, I uh, was talking to him a little bit last week, and I asked him for some thoughts on the uh, season so far, perhaps the current series. Uh, Logan is too good of a guy to take that kind of bait, unfortunately. Well, fortunately, I guess. Um, he said, hey, bud, the Mets are definitely underachieving, as are the Phillies. I didn't think the Mets would compete with the Braves for the division, but I thought they'd be competitive for the wild card. They're in the wild card race so far because the other teams are bad. At this point, I thought they'd be five games over 500. If on point, Scherzer, Verlander, and Sanga can run through a playoff series, however, they're not dead in the water yet. And Logan, I do agree with that. The Mets are not dead in the water. The Phillies are not dead in the water. The Phillies had a hell of a week as well, and we'll get to that a little later. Um you know, and I, I kind of wish Jason would have been on because I wanted to ask, how does it feel to win six in a row and not game a game in the standings because the Braves were, <laughs> ran off just as many wins as you guys did? It reminds me, you know, Joe, that reminds me of uh, of our first our, our first year doing the podcast when Jason was like, this is such a great week and it sucks because Atlanta won just as many games as we did. <laughs> yeah, and it's, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, there's no doubt about it. The Braves have been hot. That's just, you know, there's no other way to say it. And, you know, they've had, you know, they've had rough patches and they're down two starters right now. They're not, they're two of their top three starters are down right now and they're still cranking. They've got the depth in the minors to pull up to at least be serviceable replacements, if not better. And, they're still cranking. That that offense is a juggernaut. There is no break anywhere in that lineup right now. One through nine, every single guy in that lineup's got the potential to beat you. 
Marcelo Zuna, who I have been very down on all year, has caught fire. That dude is swatting home runs at a ridiculous rate and has brought his average back up to a respectable average. You know, he used to be the weak point in the lineup, and nope, he's back to the Marcel we saw back in 2020, which I love seeing, even if I can't stand the guy because he's a very bad guy off the field. We'll just leave it at that. One other thing I want to bring up from the series, for Mets fans, I'm truly sorry about Pete Alonso. In the second game, Charlie Morton on an an 0-1 count was trying to pitch in, tried to run a sinker inside on him. He got too far in, caught caught Alonso right on the hand, missed his guard. Um, He's got some fractures, and he's going to miss a couple weeks. Uh, definitely not intentional. You, Morton, you know, you could tell from Morton's expression he wasn't trying to hit him. Um, and I don't think anybody anybody other than fans going nuts on Twitter and other social media pages, I, they were, the I think, the only people that thought it was actually intentional because when you smoked the guy at the 97-mile-an-hour fastball and the pitch before that, that was almost dead center in the kill-me zone, you're not trying to hit the guy, you know. What 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 you watch enough baseball you realize that sometimes accidents happen and that's what that was. Yeah, absolutely. Not nothing seemed intentional there. I don't think there was a, a ton of reason to think that. And um, it's a tough break for for Alonzo, but I, I mean, given given the year he was having and the momentum he was building, so. Uh, you're hoping he can have that when he gets back. And, and I think it's going to be about a month. It sounds like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and in the meantime, it, it's time for somebody else in that lineup to step up. Yeah. The other thing I really hope for Alonzo's sake, I hope he's back in time to compete in the home run derby again. Polar bears got a title that he's trying to uphold. Uh, so yeah, dude, that was, that was such a good week. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that could have made that better is if Jason was back in the uh, second series is beating the Phillies. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Actually, uh, Jason will be back next week, and uh, Braves-Phillies will be the week after that. So it's due for uh, Jason and I to have a <laughs> nice little uh, back and forth on that one. So I'm excited for that when it happens. Um, Steve Cohen was interviewed on Saturday uh, with the New York Post, and he noted that he is, quote, not going to blow up over the team's poor start to the season. He also insisted that neither manager Buck Showalter nor GM Billy Epler are in danger of being fired. He admitted that he's frustrated with the team's struggles and thinks the biggest problem is inconsistent pitching, which I definitely don't disagree with that. He said, quote, when things get really bad, I'm not going to blow up. I don't think that's the proper response. I don't think it solves anything other than giving people a one-day story, but it doesn't really solve anything. There's plenty of blame to go around from from a performance point of view. So blowing up, I'm not sure it solves anything. It would demonstrate, oh, he really cares. He's one of us. But the reality is it's not going to solve our problems. I think in some ways it can be demotivating. Joe, can I just say it's refreshing to have an owner in New York spend a bucket load of cash and not be a complete and utter idiot and asshole like Steinbrenner was? This is refreshing. Like, he, you know, if he wanted to blow up, especially after the Braves swept them so convincingly and in come from behind fashion and everything, I would have absolutely been okay. I would have been okay and understandable if Cohen would have blown up after that series. But the fact that he kept his, he is able to keep his composure like that says a lot about the guy. He's a smart dude. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, life gives you perspective, and it seems like he's got some of that when it comes to, you know, the bigger issues and the smaller issues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, I thought very, very good comments. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure the New York media was buzzing and waiting for something juicy to rip their teeth into, and he refused to give it to them. Props. All right, so uh, Joe, how about McClanahan? Yeah, uh, the first ten-game winner so far in, in the majors this year. Um, the Rays defeated the Rangers seven to three on Sunday for him to get to that tenth win, uh, ten-win plateau uh, in seven innings. He allowed three runs, all in the third inning, and four hits. Um, he retired his final fifteen batters, so he had um, he had won twelve games last year. So he's already at ten at this point. So he's really having a good year. And obviously that's also a tribute to what the rest of that race team is doing offensively. It's just a, a, an amazing thing to watch and, and to keep an eye on um, at home. He's five and zero with a one, six, seven ERA in the seven starts on um, all of which the race have won. Dang. So the guy is, is, has been lights out. And again, as we've talked about the race a ton this year, I mean, they went 22 straight games to start the year with the homer. So they, they, they've been they've been a, a pleasant surprise offensively. I'd really like to see this Rays team go deep this year. I, I would really like to see it. I, I I hope they're not a one or two round and out because this team is so good. I I want the ALCS this year to be Rays and Rays and Rangers. Because the Rays and the Rangers just played last week, and the Rays took two out of three. And those are the two best offenses in baseball, and some of the best defense and pitching in baseball as well in those two teams. And that's and the Rangers have been doing that without Degrom, for the most part. So um, yeah, not bitter about that for my fantasy team still. Jacob, who? <laughs> yeah, right. Jacob Degrom Degrom himself yet again. Anyway. Um, so yeah, the Rays phenomenal. And the fact that McClanahan is the first to 10 wins doesn't really surprise me. I, that he is, especially at home, he is scary good. I think his ERA is in like the two seventies for the whole year. So one sixty-seven at home. So that puts him in the low threes in the road. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> no complaints there. All right. So uh, let's move on to Anthony Bass. The Blue Jays, uh, DFA'd him. Um, in the weeks leading up to the Blue Jays' annual Pride Weekend celebration, uh, they DFA'd Anthony Bass after he shared an anti-LGBTQIA plus post on social media back in May. The post stated that the sale of LGBTQIA plus apparel is, quote, evil and demonic. He was slated to catch the ceremonial first pitch from Toronto's LGBTQIA plus activist, Lizelle Lee Cam who I believe informed the team basically that if he was there to catch that first pitch, she would not be throwing to him. Um, he did apologize for the post the day after he shared it, but had been he's been soundly booed by Toronto fans in the two appearances after the post. Um, Jay's GM Ross Atkins said, quote, performance was a large aspect of the decision. Distraction was a small part of it and something we had to factor in. He, here's what really, really, really pisses me off. He said, quote, I do not think the post that he originally shared was hateful. That's why I posted it originally. When I look back on it, I could see how people would view it that way. And that's why I was apologetic. He noted that the he deleted the post because quote, it was the right thing to do. Not because he, you know, learned from his actions. 
He didn't want to be a distraction towards his teammates. But he went on to say, quote, but I stand by my personal beliefs and everyone is entitled to their personal beliefs, right? Also, I mean no harm towards any group of people. My focus from the get-go should have been doing my job and being accepting of everyone's decisions and views in life. Through this process, I've learned that. Moving forward, I will definitely know better than to post my personal beliefs on social media platforms. Okay, first of all, you mean no harm towards a group of people, and yet you share a post calling them, calling their apparel evil and demonic. I know it was about the apparel, but if you're going to say the apparel was evil and demonic, is that really that far of a step to say also that you don't think that those people themselves are evil and demonic? Absolutely. Straight garbage. The fact that the Blue Jays did not, did not DFA him sooner is ridiculous. I, I, he should have been, he should have been DFA the day he posted that. I mean, you know, I know what Ross, Ross Atkins said, performance is a large part of it. Yeah. He, he hasn't been playing well this year. No doubt about that. But the, the, the fact that you waited after he said something like that, and especially now, it's Pride Month, you're about to have Pride Weekend, and you wait until now to DFA the guy. This should have been handled more quickly by the organization, it should have been handled more swiftly, and frankly, I don't think Anthony Bass is ever going to get a job in MLB again, and I don't, and he should never get a job in MLB again. Um. Joe, my wife is uh, chomping at the bit to say something. Do you want to jump in and say something first, or do you want her to go ahead? I got. I'm not really getting into the weeds on this. So, all yours, my dear. Okay. I don't want to say much, but what I will say, <laughs> as someone who has focused their career and their education on diversity and equity and inclusion. It's so important that we as professionals and we as humans remember that other people are just trying to survive in this world and calling them evil, calling them demonic, calling them anything that's other than human is really awful. Um, I personally sympathize with the LGBTQI a plus community just because my sister is a part of it, but also because I'm a person living here, right? And I'm not perfect and they're not perfect and they're just trying to survive. And so I feel like the purpose of June, the purpose of Pride Month, the purpose of Juneteenth, the purpose of all of these significant holidays that represent diversity and inclusion. They're just asking for themselves to be recognized. So what that player did is saying, you're not good. You're not fine. You don't belong here. You're not a human. You're a fucking demon. And that's crazy. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, okay, do I love women sexually? No. Do I find women to be gorgeous? Sure. But like, does that mean that I don't belong here? Mm, no. Do I think that my sister, who is a lesbian, who has a girlfriend, doesn't belong here? No. 
I think what we forget in all of these debates about sexuality and race and ethnicity and religion is at the base of it, we're all human, right? So like this player decided to go off and say, oh, it's demonic. Mm, Buddy, no, 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 no. That's a human. That is a person begging to be seen. That's all they want. They just want to be seen and accepted. They want to belong. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? Like we all, we all belong here and it doesn't matter who we love or who we marry or who we think is hot, like whatever. That's all. That is what matters at the end of the day. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Bye. Love you, Joe. Love you. Love you, Bye. So, yeah, I I think the dude's an absolute shitbag. I hope he never Stop. plays. No, he's not. No, I'm going to chime in again. No, no, no. He's not a shitbag for holding his opinion. He is a shitbag because he said his opinion in the wrong way. The person is not demonic, right? Like, so he was like, oh, it's demonic. Oh, it's evil. No, that's not the problem. The problem is that he discounted the person. He's not a shitbag. You can feel like, I don't think LGBTQ people should have a platform. Do you say it out loud? Mm, No. You don't. No, he's not the shitbag. He needs to take a moment, reflect, look at who that person is. And you, my love, also need to take a moment. That's a person. They're not a shitbag. They are someone who is struggling to understand another viewpoint. And that's hard, right? Like they're not, they're not bad people. That's the thing. I feel like since probably COVID, but maybe before that, we've all struggled with this thing of like, oh, if they think differently than me, they're bad. They're not bad. They just don't look at the whole picture. I'm not saying he's a bad person. You said he's a shitbag. Yes, when you when your views are hateful towards a group of people, he's yes. hateful. Okay, he needs to work on that. Yes, but we as right. people who have committed to accepting people, yeah, we need to give grace, and we need to give room for growth. Is it shitty? That he looks at LGBTQIA plus people as shitbags and demonic and evil. Yeah, that's fucking horrible. Because they are simply humans. But if we want to build inclusion, we have to look at who he is. Right? And we have to make a safe place for him to learn. Because that's important too. He can't grow unless he learns. 
True. That's true. Thank you. It's not going to happen on a major league ball club, though. It's not going to happen there. You're right. It's going to happen from personal growth. And I'll leave now because I can tell you're getting frustrated. Bye. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> social <laughs> social I, justice warrior out. I do appreciate the comments. I just didn't expect you to run it that long. No, it's important. <laughs> it's important, Andrew. People do All right. need to know that they belong. All right. So anyway, like I said, he's not going to be back. And frankly, I am a-okay with that. And uh, I would be shocked if any team ever picks him up in the future. All right. So, uh, all right, let's move on to the Phillies, Joe. Uh, they had a damn good week last week as well. Um, like I said, if Jason were here, I'm sure he'd be very quick to point out the fact that it was a great week and they still didn't gain anything in the standings because the Braves won as many games. So they opened it up. Now they had the Tigers first, which that's a great way to start your week because uh, Javi Baez and the Tigers can't hit their way out of a wet paper bag right now. They swept them with an 8-3 to victory in the first game. Nola took the win in his fifth win of the year. He beat Wentz. Game two was a tight one nothing win. Uh, Taewon Walker took that win. Uh, Kimbrell picked up his ninth save of the year. Wednesday was actually postponed. Now, uh, Joe, I know everybody, I'm sure, is aware uh, – Northeast, especially in the United States, dealing with the uh, very, very poor air quality issues coming from the wildfires north in Canada, north of Quebec that were coming down. Um, you know, I, I shared in the group chat the picture from New York City of uh, Yankee Stadium on a, any given day versus what it looked like that day. Uh, it, just shocking how bad the... Uh, how bad everything looked, the air quality being as bad as it was. Uh, the Yankees postponed, the Phillies also postponed. Both teams made absolutely the right decision. No question about it in my mind. Um, Joe, I, I even read the Philly, you know, if you were standing, you know, down on, down on the infield, you know, normally from Citizens Bank Park, you can see the Philly skyline out the, you know, over the center field wall. You couldn't see the skyline. It was that hazy and smoky. So, uh, I, I, you know, MLB sometimes pulls the trigger too quick on canceling games, as we brought up early in the year when uh, the Phillies home opener got moved back a day for rain that uh, decided it eh, didn't want to hit us. Uh, but they 100% made the correct decision in that one. Um, our local Lancaster Barnstormers also canceled that day as well. Um, and it, just good calls all the way around. Although I, I will be very honest, Joe, I was actually shocked the Barnstormers played Friday night. I really thought they were going to just play a pair of doubleheaders over the weekend, but not my call. <laughs> so then the makeup game was Thursday because both teams were off. That was a uh, late win for the Phillies. Kimbrell picked up his fourth win of the year as it was a 3-2 victory. And then let's roll into Friday. That uh, Jason was actually at that game. That was a 5-4 to four walk-off win on a Schwer bomb in the ninth inning. Um, Soto picked up the win. Ferguson picked up the loss. Jason's thoughts from Friday's game. Uh, Ranger pitched great, got himself into and out of trouble, and kept the team in it. Gave up a run in the first, then that was all. Phillies' bats did well, tied it in the fourth, and then took a 4-1 to lead a couple innings later. His dad was with him at the game. His dad's a huge Dodgers fan, so his dad was not thrilled about that. Mookie comes up with a runner in the later innings against Strom, and Dad goes, all right, Mook, you crush one, then Freddie goes back-to-back, and we're tied. Sure enough, Mookie blasts to left, Freddie back-to-back and left center to tie it. Everyone booing, Dad sitting there going, yay, LOL. 
Bottom of the ninth, tie game, two outs. Schwarber with an absolute bomb to the second deck in right field, and I leave the game happier than Dad. He did have a great time, though, and he goes, well, that was a less than pleasant ending. Um, he called it all at all a very entertaining game. Uh, that <laughs> I, I remember the uh, group chat uh, just blowing up as Ron was going nuts about the same time the Schwarbaum happened, um, and that was <laughs> that. You know, we were talking about no doubters in the Braves Mets game. That was an absolute no doubter. The moment that ball left the bat, you knew it wasn't coming anywhere close to a spot for an outfielder to catch. I think I, I'd have to check with Jason to be sure on this one, but I'm pretty sure the uh, right fielder. Uh, the moment the ball hit the bat, just started walking off the field because he knew there was no snowball shot. Hell of that ball coming back down and uh, even having a remote chance of being playable. So that, you know, that was uh, that's a hell of a way to end the series like that. And then uh, or to start a series, excuse me. Saturday was just an absolute drubbing. Noah was terrible. It was a 9 nothing loss for the Phillies, and then Sunday was a 7-3 victory. Taylor Walker picked up his second win of the week. That was his sixth win of the year. Uh, Ferguson took the loss for the Dodgers. Um, so, you know, Joe, one, one, thing I, one thing I noted, the Phillies suck when they go out west and play the Dodgers, and they play well when the Dodgers have to come back east to play the Phillies in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, it, it happens all the time with, you know, East Coast teams going west, West Coast teams going east. Um, I was not at all surprised to see that his dad correctly predicted that there would be a back-to-back -back bomb from Mookie and Freddie. As we know, Freddie has been feasting on the Phillies for years, and I think the Phillies sometimes forget about that until they're like, oh, crap. He used to play with Atlanta and used to beat us up pretty regularly. I bet he's not, oh, crap, he just did it again. Yeah, say la vie. Freddie's hitting the absolute snot out of the ball, and there's a reason he's leading first base in the All-Star voting. Um, but really, man, it, hell of a week for the Phillies. Um, everything was clicking. The bullpen finally looked solid for the first time in a while. Um, I, I know they gave up that lead in the first game against the Dodgers, but the offense stayed with them for a change and brought them back into the game and used their opportunities to win and did it. Um, I Honestly, Joe, I, I, I was really impressed with the Phillies this past week. I, I hate to say it, but um, – they showed that they are a team that's got the guts that if they can slip into one of the wild card spots at the end of the year, that they will be dangerous yet again. Um, coming into games tonight, they are a game and a half out of the last wild card spot. Um, the wild card teams right now are the Dodgers at 37 and 29, the Marlins at 37 and 29, and then the Brew Crew at 34 and 32. And San Francisco is a half game out. Phillies are a game and a half out right now. So, uh, you know, this is not a team that's out of it by any small stretch. I mean, the Mets aren't even out of it. They're only three games out of the last wild card spot. Um, they're still under 500, but they're only a game under 500. Um, I, I expect this team will probably get back to 500 by the All-Star break or should be close enough to be within striking range. And uh, just like last year, it's June. The Phillies are starting to get hot. And uh, the rest of baseball should, uh, much it pains me to say, it, probably start to watch out because the Phillies are now uh, seven and three in the month. It's a pretty damn good way to start a month off. Yeah, I mean, it, look, we we were kind of waiting for this time to, to happen. This was obviously a big week for them, um, a much needed week for them, a good shot in the arm for them um, from from a team standpoint. Um, and it's it's just unfortunate to, for them that the Braves had just as good a week because, I mean, you know, it really could have changed the complexion of that division, and it still could. But 
the, the fact that they're starting to play well and, and it's, it's right about the right time for them. So um, I, I expect this will continue and, and the, the Phillies will start to, um, you know, do what they do. Yeah. And, you know, just like Atlanta's got a dangerous lineup top to bottom, the Phillies have a dangerous lineup too. Maybe not all the way one to nine, but one through six, one through seven, that's a pretty nasty lineup to get through. Um, There's not a lot of breaks anywhere in that lineup except for Schwarber, but if you put anything close to the plate where he can hit it, uh, it's a high risk of leaving the ballpark because uh, Schwarber has essentially turned into an all-or-nothing hitter uh, since he's joined the Phillies, and he likes a low average and a high home run count. You know what? It, It works for him, especially now that he's not leadoff, so those homers have a chance to bring runners in. Hey man, whatever whatever pays your bills. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm going to bring it. You know, there's one other player. I'm going to bring it up more in the hot list. Uh, just a quick preview there. But Trey Turner is finally starting to hit like the guy the Phillies signed for a ridiculous sum of money in the offseason. So um, my fantasy team would like Trey Turner to continue to hit like that, except against Atlanta. Against Atlanta, he can go back to hitting 128. But uh, against the rest of the league, uh, you know. Hit, hit some 300, 400 ball and uh, get me some freaking wins here in fantasy because they have been not coming as often as they should be. <laughs> All right. Uh, one unfortunate thing, uh, Liam Hendricks back on the I.L. Uh, Joe, you want to take that? Yeah, we, we've highlighted Liam's uh, journey back from, from non-Hodgkins and his treatment um, to be back within about, what was it? 10 months, 10 weeks, 12 weeks almost, something like that. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't long. You know, he, 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 he battled back pretty quickly, but he's uh, on the 15 day IL now, um, you know, has some elbow discomfort similar to what he had last year. He was on the IL for 20 days last year for the same issue. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, it certainly was the, was something that the White Sox definitely needed was him being around and the fact now that he's hurt again is kind of, kind of tough. Um, he, he wasn't, I don't think he was available on Saturday and you could tell that it made a difference. Um, the, the White Sox had a one, nothing lead in the, in the top of the ninth um, at home. And, um, you know, Joe Kelly is great, but he just, he couldn't locate enough and wasn't getting, you know, you know he was getting, Giving up contact and it was good contact and you know a couple of, of misplays and, and things like that, but you can tell that they miss his energy, um, you know. And the the worst part about the whole White Sox thing is that most of their starting pitching is is doing pretty good. It's just the offense hasn't been there. Um, you, you can't keep putting your 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 bullpen in one nothing games. Um, and that's what the White Sox continue to do. So, you know, Hendricks is a big morale boost, but and it's and it's tough that he's down. But I don't know how much of a difference he's going to make if that offense doesn't pick up anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you know, I think the biggest thing for um, the White Sox that they lose is just having his presence and his leadership out there. I think that hurts more than his actual arm being out there right now. Um, cause you could tell that team is feeding on Liam Hendricks energy every time he's at the ballpark with them. And he, you know, he, he did pick up a save he's picked up a win. He hasn't pitched the best to start the year coming back. And that, you know, 
his ERA is high because he doesn't have a lot of innings yet, and that's that's the life of a reliever. That's not a big deal. Um, but I, you know, I think the leadership in his presence hurts more than his arm at this point because they figured out how to work things out in the bullpen without him being there for a while. So I think they'll still figure that out. But um, you know, losing a guy like that does hurt. Um, I did note, Joe, that they did make the uh, move retroactive to Saturday. So that will hopefully he'll be okay to come back a little sooner. Um, yeah, it, it sucks to see Hendricks go down again. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's going to be the feel-good story of the year. If he is not comeback player of the year uh, for the American League, something is very, very wrong with the world because I don't care if he never pitches again. The dude has more than earned comeback player of the year coming back from cancer the way he has. All right, let's move on to the hot list. We have a full hot list for the first time in, what, three weeks, I think. Because, like that, uh, yeah. It, it's been a while. So, uh, Joe, here's my hitters this week. I've got Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks, slash line 471, 526, 824, 17 at bat, seven runs, a homer, three RBIs, three stolen bases, eight hits, a double, a triple, a walk, and two strikeouts. Trey Turner, again, keep this up, Trey, except against Atlanta. 438, 471, 875, 16 at bats, nine runs, two homers, three RBIs, one stolen base, seven hits, a double, a walk, a strikeout. And I also said Ronald Acuna Jr., 391, 417, 652, 23 at bats, four runs, a homer, five RBIs, two stolen bases, nine hits, three doubles, a walk, and four strikeouts. So a little bit higher in the strikeouts this week, but really not excessive. Um, Joe, anybody else you want to add to the regular hot list? Did you mention Gunnar Henderson? I did not. Okay. Uh, Gunnar Henderson from the Orioles, uh, 526, 550, 1053, OPS of 1603. Uh, five runs, 10 hits, a double, three homers, six RBIs, a walk, three strikeouts, and two stolen bases. Oof. Yeah, I missed one. So, <laughs> that's a good one. Wow. That's not bad. All right, Joe, who is your money ball hitter of the week? Moneyball hitter is Nolan Jones. Um, had an excellent week this week. Uh, 400, 478, 900, an OPS of 1378. Five runs, eight hits, a double, three homers, six RBIs, three walks, five strikeouts, and four stolen bases. Wow. Having, having one or two in a week is, is exceptional, but having four, I mean, make, making, you know, putting yourself in position to, to score runs is, is, Super important, and he did a great job of that this week. Yeah, absolutely. He is the one bright spot for that Rockies team because Charlie Blackman just went on the IL. So he, th there really is nothing left out there right now except for Nolan Jones. So uh, Rockies fans, enjoy him. Uh, I think he's got enough years left that they won't deal him at the trade deadline for prospects, hopefully. Knock on wood. Um, yeah, wow. Four stolen bases in a week. Holy crap. Um, you know, just, just putting this in fantasy terms, if you are in a Roto league and you don't have Nolan Jones and he is available, get him immediately because uh, being able to put up those kind of power numbers with the runs, the high average and the stolen bases, dude, that's money in the bank right there. 
All right, so moving on to my hot pitchers. I've got Blake Snell, two-game start of 1-0, 13 innings, 20 strikeouts, a very nice .69 ERA, a .62 whip, one earned run, five hits, three walks, one home run allowed. Lucas Giolato of the White Sox, two starts, 1-0, 13 innings, 15 strikeouts, again, a very nice .69 ERA, .77 whip, one earned run, six hits, four walks, and one home run allowed. And how could you not put our newest 10-game winner on the list, Shane McClanahan? In two starts, he went 2-0, 13 innings, 10 strikeouts, 277 ERA, .92 whip, four in runs, nine hits, three walks, two home runs allowed. Not too bad at all. Um, Joe, who else do you have for pitchers? Uh, Taiwan Walker, 2-0 on the week for the Phillies. Uh, 12 innings, four hits, no runs, five walks, 15 strikeouts, a .75 whip, and 100 batting average against. Um, Shane Bieber for the Guardians, uh, 1-0, 12 and two-thirds, eight hits, one run, two walks, 11 strikeouts, .79 whip, and a 167 batting average against. Um, we did mention uh, Kyle Hendricks in my Cubs recap, but you know to go 1-0 on the week, eight innings, one hit, one walk, three strikeouts, uh, back to vintage professor was, was really – a hat tip to him for the work he's put in to get back to this point. And we won't mention that that should have been a complete game and possibly a win, but anyway, should have been. he got the win. It just wasn't a complete game. Yeah. Um, all right, Joe, who is your adulting reliever of the week? Uh, this was, this was a close one. I'll give you my runner up. It's uh Raziel Iglesias from Atlanta, two for two and save opportunities, three appearances on the week. Three innings, no hits, no runs, five strikeouts. Uh, not to be outdone, Felix Batista from the Baltimore Orioles, two for two in saves, three appearances, three innings, one hit, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. So, uh, wow. I'm glad to have him on my fantasy team, and he, he is certainly earning his keep, that's for sure. So, basically, he and Iglesias bounced off each other this in this matchup this past week. Pretty much, um, and, and uh, you know, seven strikeouts in, in three innings for a, a closer up that's excellent, yeah. That, that's a damn good 1A, 1B for adulting relievers this week. Holy crap! Uh, and you know, the fact of the matter is, Minter came in and picked up two saves because Iglesias was being used so heavily this week, and Minter, but. Uh, Maybe it's finally getting over these early season jitters because he's starting to look more like that lockdown guy Atlanta needs out in the bullpen. So uh, the fact that Atlanta's got two guys with nine saves at this point in the year, uh, pretty damn good. No complaints. All right, looking at the hot teams. You know, Joe, I, I, as I was looking through the standings, I noticed something. Yeah, a third of the teams are really hot. third of the teams are ice cold. And then that third of the team in the middle, that's eh, a little bit of both. So here's my list. I got Braves, Marlins, Phillies in the East. In the Central, I've just got the Pirates. In the West, I've got the uh, Diamondbacks. In the American League in the East, it's Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays. I know crazy three teams, but yeah. And then I've got the Guardians in the Central and the Angels in the West out in the American League. Um, anybody you want to add or remove to that list? No, those are those are by far and away the best teams of the last week. Um, you know. The Orioles continue to do what they do. The Pirates continue to do what they do. Um, I'm loving it. Honestly, it's, it's it's great for the game, and it's great for the game in this part of the of the country, um, and in our region because there's so many friends of ours who are 
Orioles fans, Pirates fans. It's it's great for a, a lot of those teams to be competitive at the same time. Yeah, it, it really is. Dude, I feel for Pirates fans. They've been waiting so long to have a team that's not complete and utter trash, and they finally got it. I, I you know, it's I, I'm all you, you know me. I am always going to emotionally pull for the Cubs in the Central because my brother's a Cubs fan, and it, it's hard not to love the lovable losers of the Central. It, it's hard not to. But I gotta be—I gotta be honest, man. I'm really excited watching this Pirates team. I keep expecting them to fall down, fall apart, and just be done. And even when they have a bad week in there, they bounce back. And that's something we haven't seen from the Pirates in a very, very, very long time. And I'm so happy to see that they are doing well. Um, I have several friends who are Pirates fans and they are over the moon happy right now. And guys, I hope the run continues because they are a fun team to watch. And uh, you, you know, you got guys hurt that should be coming back before too much longer. You've got a solid team. Your rotation is good. Your bullpen has been good. Kutch just got his 2000th hit. He is carrying that team. Um, You know, we, we ran the story earlier this year about, how the equipment manager made sure that Kutch's number was not touched until he came back because he knew he was coming back. You know, things are just lining up so nicely for the Pirates. Let's hope that let, – let's hope the party keeps rolling. And, uh, you know, Joe, I, I I do hope the Cubs do better, but if it's the Pirates that end up winning the Central, that's a lot better than the freaking Brewers. <laughs> yeah, look, it, there's no sugarcoating it. The, the Central division in both leagues is just awful. Yeah. Um. The Pirates can have a bad week, but because of the rest of the division is so awful um, from top, from second to bottom, it, it's just, um, you know, I don't, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody catching them unless they get, unless one of these other teams gets super hot because Pittsburgh can be, you know, middle of the road and the rest of the division has been awful. Um, you know, the Cubs get six games with them here in the next two weeks. So, um, this is kind of their their push week, push two weeks here. So, you know, and one thing I do want to note that doesn't necessarily work in Pittsburgh's favor, they are at only a plus two run differential. Um, and the other thing that really kind of strikes me, they have not played well against other 500 plus teams, they're 11 and 16. So, I, I don't know that they're really going to be built for the long haul. With the Central being weak, they might be built well enough to at least take the division. If they don't get the division, I don't know that they're good enough right now as they're built to be able to take a wild card spot. But, and I say this is a big but because they've got one of the worst owners in baseball. Not the worst. The worst owner is by far uh, what the guy who owns the athletics. Yeah. I, I, dude's a piece of trash. Um. But the Pirates owners really not that far in second place. This is a team that has the depth in their farm system that they could make a move. They don't need to make a move for a start. They don't need to dump the farm system for Otani for three months. And they shouldn't. But they've got enough pieces in their farm system that they could get enough above average to good players that it should be enough to push them over the hump. And I really, really, really hope they end up doing that because uh, 
if they get those players, it should be enough to hold off the Brewers in the Central and keep everybody else at bay because uh, I, I'm just looking at the differential here. The Brewers are at negative 21. How the hell are 34 and 32? I don't understand. The Reds are at negative 34. The Cubs are at negative 13, although, uh, Joe, I think the Cubs are going to turn around hopefully soon. Cardinals are only at negative one, but that negative one is 304 scored, but 305 allowed. I mean, the Cardinals pitching is not good enough to see them push. Uh, if if the Cardinals really think they are going to be able to catch this week central, they need they need to be the ones who dump the farm system for Otani because that's he's the only pitcher that's going to be available that's good enough to make a difference. But anyway, I'm just prognosticating because uh, trade deadline talks are going to be coming up soon. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll start talking about that. Um, All Star break is. Uh, uh, July 11th is the All-Star Game, so that's when we're really going to start talking about a uh, hot stove, who's going to be buying, who's going to be selling, who's going to be staying pat. So just a preview of what's coming up. All right, looking at the upcoming week for our four local teams. I didn't put the Pirates on there, but I should. I'll start putting the Pirates on for our local teams for upcoming. Anyway, for this week, the Braves, three at the Tigers, Morton versus a starter TBD, Strider versus Olsen, and TBD, which I'm assuming is going to be uh, smith Shaver, but I'm not sure, versus Lorenzen, and then four versus the Rockies at home. TBD versus Freeland, which I'm pretty sure is going to be Jared Schuster, Elder versus LeMay, Morton versus Siebold and Strider versus Anderson. Cubbies, three at the Pi three home for the Pirates. Tyen versus TBD. Smiley versus Hill. Stroman versus Oviedo. Um, Oviedo has been sneaky good for the Pirates, so that's uh, that's going to be a good matchup to watch. Um, I love I, Stroman versus Oviedo. I think it's going to be the best matchup of the series. And then three versus the Orioles. Hendricks versus TBD. TBD versus Gibson. Tyen versus Kramer. Um, the Phillies. Away all week on the West Coast. Four at the Diamondbacks. TBD versus Henry Wheeler versus Davies Suarez versus Kelly Nola versus Nelson. Three at the A's. Walker versus Sears. TBD versus Capriellian. And Wheeler versus Harris. You know, one thing I just want to point out to the Phillies, don't overlook the A's like Atlanta did. I almost put Oakland on the hot list because they did win five straight. Or they are on a five-game winning streak right now, although they're playing Tampa Bay, so I expect that to end tonight, but... Um, they're up to five and five in their last 10, which is the best they've looked in their last 10 all season. So they might be figuring some stuff out. Just don't overlook the A's right now. To be fair, they played the Cardinals over the weekend, so I don't know how yeah. much you're reading into that. <laughs> <laughs> you make a fair point. You make a fair point. All right, then the Orioles, uh, before they play the Cubs in the weekend, they have three versus Toronto. You've got Kremer versus Bassett, Bradish versus Barrios, Wells versus Kikuchi. The Orioles, I, this is a big week for them. Um, they they need to take care of business with Toronto, and they've done well um, against 500 teams. They are 22-18 and 18 so far this year against teams over 500. And versus other NL East opponent, or excuse me, AL East opponents, they are 11 and 7. So, you know, they're taking care of business, but they need to continue to do so against the Blue Jays. Um, the Blue Jays uh, against AL East, surprisingly, 6 and 15. They've beaten the Rays, but they've had trouble with the rest of the division. So that's going to be, you know, it's going to be a pretty big key for the Blue Jays. If, they, if they're going to be a legit team and make that push, they need to start doing it now. Um, 
you know, being a sympathetic Orioles fan for all of our friends around here, Big Jim and many, many others, my uh, friend Morgan, um, uh, good IV nurse at LGH, used to be a psych nurse. Um, she's down there all the time for games with her dad. And uh, the picture she sends me, it, it's a freaking party in Baltimore right now. And I hope that continues for them because that is one of the nicest stadiums in MLB. So, Joe, th th this is going to be a fun week coming up. You know, we're, we're going to learn, uh, you know, Atlanta's got a relatively easy week. Um, I'm going to be watching, of course, but uh, it, these aren't teams I'm super frightened of. You guys, we're going to learn a lot about the Cubs this week because, you know, what are they going to do with the Pirates? This is the make or break time, as you put it. Um, the Phillies, are they going to avoid their West Coast slump that they often get in? And let's face it, the Diamondbacks are a team that are kind of like the Marlins of the West for the Phillies. They always play the Phillies really tough when they're not good. So let's, you know, let's prognosticate here and just imagine how well the uh, how well they're going to do against the Phillies when they are good and they're playing at home. So that's, you know, that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. I you know, Jason and Ron decided not to. Uh, I don't think they want to jinx the Phillies for this upcoming week and try and hype them up. But I know this is probably a series they're not really looking forward to, given the history that the that the Phillies have out in Arizona. Yeah, look, um, you know, the Cubs, as you mentioned, this is sort of the next two weeks are kind of your your. Are we going to make a push or are we not? Um, kind of time for them. So. Um, you know, I, I, like, like I've, I've kind of beaten the point over the head for the last few weeks. I'm not optimistic, but we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I, it, you know, I think if the, I, you could see the Tigers take one, you could see the Rockies get one in your, in your series. I don't think that they're going to make a major threat to your week, but they might get a game or two. Um, you know, the, the, the Phillies, this is sort of, you know, build off your momentum from the last week and, you know, reverse the fortune that you've had with the Diamondbacks for the last couple of years. Um, you know, I, I expect that to – a split is probably what you're hoping for at the best or at, at least at minimum um, if you're a Philly fan. Um, you know, that, that Wheeler-Davies matchup could be interesting, the, the two uh, – Two aces, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine me calling Zach Davies an ace. Um, <laughs> it's dude. It's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know that, that I I think there's a a lot of good pitching matchups in that series. I think that's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, I, I I do agree with you. I mean, you don't want to fall asleep on the A's, but I do think that Philly is significantly better than them, and I think that's a a, a big difference maker here. So. Um, I, I will note this, Joe. Um, Iglesias will not be on your adulting relievers of the week this week. He blew the save in the ninth and gave up three runs as Atlanta lost 6-5 in the 10th tonight. So uh, uh, not not the way I wanted the road trip to Detroit to start, to say the least. Well, I'm glad I could help uh, turn Iglesias' luck around. So You're not even playing me this week. I'm playing Jason. Yeah. He doesn't need any help. <laughs> So yeah, look, and, and I, I think I think Baltimore is going to have a good week. It's going to be fun, um, you know, not watching that series because of stupid TV blackout rules. <laughs> but um, so it's dumb. it's it's ridiculous. But 
um, you know, the and the Pirates series, it's, you know, look, uh, it's going to be a ton of blackout, blackout rules for me. I'll just be following on radio at this point. Um, you know, we'll see what Toronto can do against the, uh, against the Orioles and whether, um, you know, I think the, the Orioles, as long as they get one and maybe two out of this, I think um, you're feeling pretty good as a nose fan, um, you know, given the momentum that Toronto has right now. Um, a lot of that is attributed to George Springer being back in the lineup. So I don't know that they've played him since he's been back. So um, he, he is making his impact felt, putting a little spring in their step, shall we say. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun week to uh, keep an eye on. Um, yeah, it, blackouts suck. Come on, MLB, just end this shit. Be over with it. All right, so guys, you can find audio recordings in Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spreaker, pr- pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, we're there. You can see us live on YouTube, Facebook Live, and Twitter. Merchandise is available at redbubble.com slash people slash DDAB dash podcast. Uh, one note for the people watching on Twitter, uh, we had some technical difficulties getting the upload started early tonight, so uh, my apologies for that. I think I've got everything fixed with Twitter, but... Um, if not, you know, you can always find on YouTube and Facebook as well. Um, the Twitter page for the podcast is at DDAB underscore podcast. I'm at PowerLord314. Jason's at JRicker300. Joe's at JoltonJoe35. On Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash DollarDogsAndBeer. We are presented by Dark Arrow Podcast, LLC, and sponsored by the Phenomenal Whiskey and Blade Barbershop in Linnitz. As you can see, Joe, I finally got a chance to see Johnny tonight. I don't look like a wild caveman anymore. I look uh, quite a bit better than I have the last couple weeks. Uh, Johnny was waiting for it. It's so understandable that I couldn't get in sooner. Folks, may your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night. We will see you next week. The whole crew will be back.